0: Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Very, very good afternoon to you. Wow, it's Thursday again,
1: hey? But not just Thursday, it's Thursday, five weeks until Rosh Hashanah. That means that exactly five weeks from today, we'll be sitting at Shul, listening to the shofar, and preparing ourselves for a whole brand new year. I can't believe that we're saying that already. I just cannot believe how the time has flown. But that's, I suppose, how it is. So in that case, let's all be helpful to each other. My question for you today is, well, you've got five weeks from now till Rosh Hashanah. What should you focus on? Or maybe you want to share what you plan to focus on. So either it's personal or it's something that you'd like to share with other people. Maybe you did something last year before Rosh Hashanah that was really powerful and made it into a very meaningful experience for you. That's what we're going to talk about because it's, it's on our doorstep and it's just incredible. Next week we'll, we, we have Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the month of Elul. We start to Brother shofar at Shul in the mornings and that's it. From there it goes. So your thoughts. Five weeks till Rosh Hashanah, what would you say you are going to focus on? What do you think people should focus on? 34519. That's our SMS line. Of course, you're also welcome to WhatsApp 0621482374 and get your fingers moving on Twitter at FM or at Rabbi Shish. I see that the messages are already starting to come through, which is quite something. Because I thought people might be a little bit sluggish on sharing their thoughts on this one. You know, who am I to tell other people what they should be doing in preparation for Rosh Hashanah? Or for that matter, I don't want necessarily to share what's on my mind I suppose both sides of the coin are equally relevant But it is important because that time just flies Before you know it We will in fact be sitting at shul Before you know it We will in fact be having that big first night Rosh Hashanah And we'll be listening to the shofar And all the other things that uh, are associated with the high holiday period And I, I was just wondering you know, You look around at what's going on in society And look around at what's going on in our world and I'm just wondering, you know, perhaps there's, there's just a, a bit of a wake up call that we need, you know, uh, follow what's going on in terms of this terrible hate that just seems to be spewing out in various quarters around the world. The United States, of course, being a very focal point at the moment. And you just wonder, like, We're coming up for Rosh Hashanah. I think everybody is very obsessed with the fact that the world is going in a particular direction. But for us as Jewish people, we're coming up to a time of the year where everything can be shifted, where everything can be moved, changed. So what would your two cents be? What would your advice be to your fellow Jew, to your fellow human being, to yourself? We're coming up to a time of the year where we can do great things. We can make a huge shift. What would you say? So I suppose one area of interest and one area of concern at the same time is definitely this polarization that's happening in societies. This terrible, terrible hatred that we see spewing out from uh, people who hate particular ethnic groups or particular religious groups. That's one area of concern. I think it's something, it's a time of the year that we're supposed to be introspective as we come up to Rosh Hashanah in the beginning of a new year. So it's a time of the year where we should be thinking about what are the issues that need to be confronted. Perhaps that's one of them. Perhaps another is leadership. And that's something which resonates quite strongly here, locally. Leadership and good leadership and how does one ensure that we have good leadership and leadership that is that has integrity and, and leadership that stands up to appropriate criticism when it's leveled. So maybe that's an area that we need to focus on as we approach the Rosh Hashanah time. Uh, it, you know, people always associate New Year with making resolutions. Well, you can't really make a resolution unless you've given some thought to what areas of life need urgent attention. It's all very well if we're going to, for example, come to Rosh Hashanah and say, you know what? This year I am going to be more strict about my level of kashrut. Now that's a brilliant thing. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a fantastic resolution. If that's what somebody says, then I'm going to be more cautious about keeping kosher. Kudos to you. That that's absolutely fantastic. The question is if that becomes the diversion from something which might be the more important area that a person has to focus on in their lives. And equally, person who says, I'm going to be a nicer person this year. I often hear people say that. I'm going to be a nicer person. I'm going to be good to the people who are around me. Well, that's really, really nice. It's completely airy-fairy, to be honest. How do you define that? How do we check up on you to see if you're keeping that resolution or not? What's uh, what's determ- What determines being nicer to somebody else But there are also Maybe that's a diversion Maybe that's not the focal point Maybe that's not the area of life That you really have to concentrate on Maybe there's something else in your life That's a higher priority So if we don't give it attention If we don't actually think about these things We don't talk about it Those five weeks from now Until Rosh Hashanah will fly by And Before we know it, we'll be sitting there scrambling for some kind of meaning, scrambling for some kind of plan for the next year and hoping that we can make a difference to the society that we live in and the world that we live in, but perhaps not knowing what we should be doing to make that difference. So those are just two ideas that I'm throwing out just in terms of looking around at the world and what's going on, how to deal with polarization, how to deal with hatred, how to deal with misunderstanding between communities, or how to deal with leadership and create healthy leadership. Maybe you've got a few other suggestions that we could add to the list. What should be an area of focus for the coming year, you've got five weeks from now until Rosh Hashanah. What is it that you think people should be concentrating on? Or what do you plan to, have you even thought about it? What do you plan to, maybe you've got a great idea that you can share with the rest of us. What do you plan to work on, to concentrate on during the next five weeks building up to Rosh Hashanah? There's no question about it. Many people get quite nervous at this time of the year and people say that negative things happen at this time of the year and that there's an an uptick of tragedy in, in the Jewish community or in the community at large. And maybe that's something that's on your mind. And maybe there's, uh, I feel personally, I feel that we need to be doing something. Just here in our own Johannesburg community in the last while, there have been some really heavy stories and, and terrible losses that families have had to endure. And whenever that kind of thing happens, we're supposed to also focus. What, what could we be doing differently? How could we ensure that we don't god forbid have to face these kinds of things going forward how do we rally together what should we be improving upon so it's it's all part of this overall introspective time of the year as we prepare for the Rosh Hashanah we prepare on a personal level because obviously we want our next year to be meaningful and to be successful and to to feel that we're connected and that uh, we 're mindful and that we have healthy relationships between the families, parents, children, spouses, siblings, etc, and equally, we have to think broader than just ourselves and our families. What about communities? What about the broader community? What about the world at large so uh, yeah so as I said, some of the ideas came flowing in quite quickly. Uh, what people are going to Focus on, I, I really appreciate when people turn around and, and share things which are really, you know, really personal. So here's one, Elizabeth on Twitter saying, I could do so much more for other people if I didn't allow my lack of self confidence to lead to procrastination. So that's my focus. I wonder how many people battle with that concept of a low self confidence or a serial Chronic procrastination, just not getting things done. And, and if it is something to work on between now and Joshua, I think it's really practical, but what do you do? How does a person boost that kind of self-confidence or how does a person get over the issue of procrastination? So that's nice. That's a very nice insight that Elizabeth gave. And I'm just wondering, what do we actually do with that. So what else? What else is on your mind? We know that some of the key things we always talk about at this time of the year as we're approaching Rosh Hashanah, we talk about Teshuva, Tefillah, Tzedakah. We talk about prayer, we talk about repentance, although that's a terrible translation because repentance has all kinds of uh, insinuation. And we talk about tzedakah, which most people translate as charity. And in a moment I'll share with you something that a person mentioned earlier on social media about the term charity. And perhaps that's part of the question. But I know that many people at this time of the year, that will in fact be their focus. That's the way that they'll gear themselves up for Shoshana in charity. And bearing in mind, of course, that charity is not only financial. It might be the easier way to do charity for many people. You know, click on a link make an EFT, give your credit card details to a charitable organization. But there are various forms of charity which include the charity of your time, the charity of your energy, the charity of your knowledge. Sometimes people don't think about that. So perhaps that's an area to focus on for the next five weeks coming up to Rosh Hashanah to focus on the concept of charity. And you know what, I'll ask you a question related to that. Well, at which point... Here's the question, at which point is a person no longer required to give charity? Meaning to say, do you get to a point that you've given enough? Or does a person, God forbid, get to a point where they're in such terrible financial circumstances that they no longer are required to give Is That's possibly part of the conversation too. Because sometimes we know the generics of what we're supposed to be doing, building up to Rosh Hashanah. But uh, then there are personal obstacles that seem to get in the way. And how do we overcome those obstacles? Many, many things that we could be thinking about and talking about at this time of the year. And I think it's really worthwhile because we do want our Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur experiences to be meaningful. We want our year ahead to be filled with blessing. And like anything else in life, if you don't prepare for it properly in advance, you can't expect that you're going to have true return on a half-hearted investment so what do you think three four five one nine what's your view what should we focus on in the next five weeks building up to rosh Hashanah? you can whatsapp 0621482374 or join the conversation on social media at chai fm or at Rabbi on twitter
0: Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So
1: uh, one thing that can be absolutely guaranteed in our communities is you can ask a question that has, uh, I think, quite a significant and serious message. And all the humor starts flowing. So here's Mike saying... What should you do in the five weeks leading up to Rosh Hashanah? He says work because the rabbi still needs his donation. Well, okay, I happen to be in that seat, so I'm happy if that's your focus. I don't know if it's necessarily going to automatically make you into a better person, more spiritual person, more connected person, or give you a more meaningful Rosh Hashanah. But there's no question about it: that charity is definitely one of the vehicles. It's written clearly in Jewish literature that that's what you're supposed to be doing at this time of the year to increase in charity. So yes. You got that one. Absolutely. Um, what else? What else could we focus on? You know what's interesting? At every single year we come to this time of the year, and every single year people raise the same parable, same metaphor that is used to explain the month leading up to Rosh Hashanah. So in other words, next Wednesday is the beginning of the month of Elul, which is the month prior to the high holiday season. And that's supposed to be a very focused month. In fact, somebody's just, uh, Raphael has just sent a message over here to say, what should you do? You should have fun now before Elul starts. I wonder how many people think that way. I would imagine that it's fairly widespread. You could still have a good time now because then we're going into the heavy duty time of the year next week, the month of Elul, time of serious self-assessment it's a time of tremendous focus at the time of being more uh, connected when you pray and dedicating more time to your study and as i've mentioned giving extra charity so for a lot of people it's a very heavy time and i guess that's why rafael is saying have your fun now before it all begins now who says that Elul has to be such a heavy time. I was about to tell you there's this very well known parable that's used about the month of Elul, and the parable goes like this: It's like the king. I'm, I'm sure you heard this before. Don't blitz the, uh, the the WhatsApp. You know, oh, we've heard that parable many times before. Because what I'd like, actually like to do over here today is to revisit it from a somewhat different perspective. So the parable says that the month of Elul is the equivalent of a king who spends all year. Locked up in his palace, essentially, dealing with bigwigs and dignitaries and fancy people. The majority of the population never sees him or hears from him. And then there is a time where the king is out of the palace, traveling or whatever it is. And he, on the way back to the palace, he stops and visits ordinary citizens who are out working in the fields. So the parable is that in the month of Elul, God is like the king in the field. That's something that everybody knows. Well, many people know. It's become a very prolific, viral kind of metaphor to represent the month of Edel. So, so it's a time of closeness, right? Can you hear that? It's a time of closeness. God is like a king in the field. The interesting thing is that the original parable doesn't stop there. And that's what's really important. Let, let's just unpack this for a moment. So we've got this, okay, we, I'm talking five weeks until Rosh Hashanah, and this particular metaphor applies to four weeks until Rosh Hashanah, starting from next Wednesday. So during this time, what are you supposed to do? Let's assume. Let's unpack the parable. Let's say that it was back in those days where it was a feudal system and the king was very much an untouchable. Maybe not that much has changed. And he was there locked up in his big fancy palace and the ordinary citizen was out there cutting wheat. And now the king comes past. So what do you do? What do you do if the king comes to town? You're out there, you never in your life have the opportunity to interact that closely with the king. Here's your chance. So what do you do with it? Think about this, I think it's a fascinating thought. Try and visualize, try and imagine what the average peasant working in the field would do if the king came riding through, got off his palatial carriage, and, and walked over and said, uh, Shalom Aleichem, you know, who are you and what do you do and, and what's your life all about? How do you think a person will react? Well, I'm going to give you two options. Do you imagine that those serfs in the field would be like, oh my gosh, things are so tough and bad and, and, and going on and on and I've been a bad person. And, you know, really, as they say in Yiddish, you know, be like really down and heavy because the king's here. I think that that would be kind of disrespectful, wouldn't it? The king has taken time out of his day and he's interacting with you individually. And all you're going to do is is complain and cry and be heavy and negative? Surely, I would assume that the average person would have been excited. That, imagine these these blue-collar workers. They're out there in the fields Here comes the king. The excitement must be through the roof. Here's an opportunity. I'm going to be able to speak to the king. I'm going to be able to get 30 seconds of his time. He's going to lend me an ear. He's going to hear my reality. It's the most empowering and uplifting kind of an experience. So what's interesting is that part of the of the parable often gets lobbed off. I don't know why people always say the month of Elul. It's a time where God is like a king in the field, which implies an, an unusual closeness that we don't have necessarily all year round. And uh, just on that note, Chesky says over here, what's he going to do in the five weeks up until Rosh Hashanah? The same he does. For the last, f- oh, he says the same thing I did fifty weeks ago. I thought he said he's. I thought he was saying the same he does all the fifty th- weeks of the year. Well, it wouldn't be fifty, but you get the idea. So, <laughs> I guess I misread that one. Says so essentially going to rinse, repeat, right? Same thing he did fifty years, uh, fifty weeks ago. Okay, very nice. What is that? What does that actually mean? I don't think that's necessarily a good approach. By the way, I don't think we should be rehashing what we did last year. Maybe last year was good for last year. Hopefully, between now and and then, between then and now, hopefully we've. Uh, grown a bit we've moved a bit we've developed a bit hopefully right gonna do the same thing you did last year anyhow so coming back to the parable so somehow that part of the parable always gets left off because the parable completes like this that God during the month of Elul is like a king who is in the field who smiles at all his citizens hear that in fact the term is It's even more than smiling. It's to show people this incredibly positive countenance. Like, you're really positive. You're really excited to interact with them. That's the attitude that the king in this parable takes. To the people he's visiting in the fields And that's what it's supposed to be like At the time of the month of Edel It's not supposed to be a time Yes it is a serious time Absolutely But at the same time It's supposed to feel somewhat uplifted And it's supposed to feel somewhat excited And certainly joyous There's no contradiction between being serious And being joyous Mistake that people make If you go often to a religious wedding You'll notice that the bride and the groom standing under the chuppah are extremely serious, despite the fact that they're extremely joyous. That would be a, you know, a, a surprise to many people. Many people think, well, if you're joyous, then you're kind of flippant. It doesn't have to be that way. There's an expression that the Torah uses, gilu bira that you can rejoice and tremble at the same time. Sounds weird, right? But there are many occasions like that in our lives where something is so profound and so deep that at the same time that we're joyous, we're also serious. This this month of Elul, this this period that's coming up, this preparation for Rosh Hashanah is serious, but it's also joyous. We have to imagine that it, it's obviously special that God wants to be close to us and not not only wants to be close to us, but wants to, so to speak, smile in our direction. It's an uplifting time of the year. It's a time with tremendous opportunity and not necessarily worthwhile getting lost in all the heaviness of the things that we might associate with this time of the year. What do you think? 34519, your thoughts on what we should be doing in the next five weeks building up to Rosh Hashanah. O oh, six two one four eight twenty three seventy four for WhatsApps or tweet at Chai FM and tweet at Rabbi Shish now pick and pay Hyper Norwood has the following specials which are valid from the 15th of august until the 20th of august so buy 30 bags or more and you'll get a free delivery within 30 kilometers from the store of the following things garden pro compost 30 dm3 was 28 rand 99 now it's 24 rand 90 Lawn dressing, thirty dm3 was twenty eight ninety nine, is also now twenty four ninety, and the same price for potting soil, thirty dm3, which has gone down from twenty eight rand ninety nine to twenty four rand ninety. HTH granular dry co- cl- cl- chlorine, ten kgs have uh, gone down from three hundred nineteen rand to two fifty nine rand. Look out for amazing one day specials on the eighteenth of August. Visit Pick and Pay Hyper Nord for much more in-store specials. Sure, I don't think I even knew what half those things were. But anyhow, I suppose if you're into gardening and all that kind of thing, you'll head down to Pick and Pay Nord and you'll find out what they are. Maybe you can even let me know. (laughs) So we're talking today about the prep coming up to Rosh Hashanah. That's the time of the year that we are, believe it or not, five weeks to go. Five weeks today and we'll be sitting in shul. Maybe not at this time, we'll be doing... Tashlech, possibly, at this time. But we'll be sitting at your. What do you do in the five weeks building up to Rosh Hashanah? We've got an SMS here from Stephen who says, We can learn to get along with each other. That's a theme that we hear very often. Very often. Why does it seem to be so difficult? Why does it seem that we battle so hard with this concept of getting along with each other? I don't know, it's, it's just like an incredible thing, but it, it does not Go away! <laughs> Just keeps coming back. There's always division. There's always conflict. There's always some level of hatred. So, Stephen, I think is a very, very important point that you've raised. Not even exactly sure what we could do differently. We, we've tried so many things that haven't worked. So, let's hear a suggestion. What could we be doing? Rene says, "I'm focusing on how life will be after Mashiach." So, But what are you doing? Okay, I suppose Focusing on what life will be after Mashiach I think it would be more valuable To be focusing on How life now could bring Moshiach. Maybe What about that? Um, we, I mean, we know that we're sitting on the cusp We know that this is the most incredible period in history From the perspective of the Messianic age and We can talk about that in great detail but Not for now So should it should be What could we do? And that ties in, by the way With Stephen's SMS Because if we learned to get along with each other That might very well help us So I was talking before about the king in the field That that's the great metaphor for this time of the year It's a time of build up towards the uh, the great holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur particularly from next Wednesday when we start the month of Elul and we're supposed to be focused so when you feel and you think that that God's reaching out to you the the natural response of a person should be that you want to reciprocate you know if there's somebody who's really important in your life or if there's somebody who's really powerful even if they're not personally important to you but they're a very powerful individual then surely if that person reaches out to you and wants to connect with you and shows you this this warmth and this embrace surely the natural thing is that you want to respond in kind that you want to reciprocate so that's what i'm saying it, it it's it's surely not supposed to be a time of the year where we become dragged down by failure oh my gosh this year i could have should have but didn't even though teshuva is a very central part of the whole process But I did say earlier that teshuva is badly translated when we say repentance And and that evokes all these kind of pictures in people's minds of being really heavy and morose But more than that, if if somebody extends some kind of a welcome to you, some kind of goodwill to you, then the correct thing would be to respond with some kind of goodwill as well. And I think one of the big things that we should try to focus on, and it's really, really difficult in the 21st century, but it would be extremely, extremely worthwhile, would be to focus on mindfulness. That means there are so many things that we do today, in fact, possibly most of the things that we do today, that we don't even really think what we're doing. They're just these habitual motions that we go through. The best example for me is driving, right? So you've got a destination to get to. You drive on autopilot. It's, it's a scary thing. People are just not present. They're just not there a lot of the time. You know it for yourself. I'm sure it's happened to you. You arrive at a place and like, oh, my gosh, why did I come here? I was supposed to go somewhere else. But you just follow that habitual route. Or uh, even eating, we we eat very often. It's just you know on the fly. You're running out to a meeting, so you quickly grab something, you wolf it down, and you, you eat in the car, or you're busy reading emails at the same time that you're eating. We're not present. We're not present a lot of the time for a lot of the things that we do, and then we expect that we're going to walk into shul for those really special times, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and some switch is going to go off in our brain, and suddenly we're going to feel present, and suddenly we're going to connect with the experience. How's that supposed to happen? How? If we don't train for it, if we don't get ourselves into that space And the ironic thing is that this applies across the board It it, it applies just as much in the religious community As it applies outside of the religious community Because it is the nature of the society that we live in today We coast along on this really superficial plane Just doing things, you know, read, delete, read, delete Pass on the next thing, like somebody's post You don't even know what it is that they've said We, we don't necessarily listen to people properly and we certainly are not very present and I'm generalizing obviously, but we're not necessarily present and mindful during our spiritual experiences. You know, we have many spiritual experiences in the Jewish world that are not naturally spiritual meaning to say they're holy experiences but you don't necessarily feel the spirituality so a person will put on tefillin in the morning it's a highly highly spiritual experience it's beyond a spiritual experience it's a holy experience it's a point of connection between the soul and the divine and heaven and earth and there's major things going on over there and what do we do we're like half asleep just winding those straps around our arms and uh, some of us can do it at high speed people in my shul often make fun of me about how quickly I get the tefillin on and I suppose for that matter how quickly I get them off and uh, it's just it becomes mindless while you're doing this Your mind is somewhere else Checking your cell phone You know We've got this obsession With uh, all kinds of distractions That oh, God forbid I might miss a distraction And then what are we supposed to do Walk into shul And sit there for 3-4 hours and, and, and be focused How? How on earth is that supposed to happen? So I really believe that This period of the you know, Coming up to Rosh Hashanah We've got 5 years uh, 5 weeks now it's one of the things that I think we should be doing is to focus on becoming a bit more, more mindful of those meaningful experiences in our lives, mindful of our interactions with people who are close to us, who we care about, because one of the big things we're supposed to do at this time of the year is to iron out differences that we might have with people. Stephen was saying before, we have to learn to get along with each other. Well, a big part of learning to get along with each other is actually being aware of each other, being mindful. I'm in somebody else's space. What are they actually saying? What do they need? What's their emotional state? Why are they speaking to me? Why are they connecting to me? What What's the value of our relationship? What's the value of our friendship, as the case might be? So that would be one area of mindfulness. Another one would be in the mitzvahs that we do. Yes, of course, it is important to always consider doing more, particularly on Rosh Hashanah. It's an ancient custom that on Rosh Hashanah you undertake something new in your mitzvah observance. Either it's a new mitzvah or it's an improvement on an existing mitzvah. But that improvement on an existing mitzvah could very well be just, just being mindful. That when I put on the Tefillin, I should be in the space of putting on Tefillin, not my meeting that's going to happen at 9.30. Or when I put a coin into the Tsudoka box, you know, it's just so easy to do, or, or I suppose it's easier to do with a click of a button, or even more than that, you've just got it set up on your profile, your online banking, that the thing sends off every single month. Well, then you're not mindful of the experience of Tsudoka, which is this According to the Talmud, it's this whole mechanism that keeps the world going, that keeps life alive, is this flow from people who have resources to people who lack resources. And that would apply just as much to sharing emotion or sharing time or sharing wisdom as it would to sharing money. So we can't just, you know, we shouldn't just dispense in this superficial kind of way. I think that that would be a really beneficial focus during the build-up to the time of Rosh Hashanah. And Yom Kippur, just to be, to be so, a little bit more aware, just a little bit more aware, a little bit more in the moment, a little bit more connected. Again, if it's God taking time out to be with us, and the parable says in this happy, joyous mode, that implies that he's with us, that he's present, that it's connected, then we, we've got to give some of that mindfulness and that presence and that connection back. So, Love to hear your thoughts because I'm sure there are many, many different perspectives on this and things that we could be doing for the next five weeks as we build up to Rosh Hashanah. Got a WhatsApp over here that says to get peace, we need to stop talking about each other, even the truth. It's true. You make a really, really good point. There's something for us to focus on for the next five weeks. Not to speak about other people. Whoa, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. It's not easy for people. Not to speak about other people. Nice suggestion over there. What's yours? 34519. If you'd like to send an SMS what we should be doing for the next five weeks, building up to Rosh Hashanah or on WhatsApp, 062 148 2374, or you can tweet at Chai FM and at Rabashish.
0: Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 high FM, 101.9 megahertz of power.
1: Talking today as it is, whew, less, what's it, 18 minutes. There you go. Hi. high minutes to three o'clock. And it is six, no, five, five weeks away from Rosh Hashanah. So that's what we're talking about. What should you do for the next five weeks if you wanted to make your Rosh Hashanah meaningful? What would you recommend? Quite a number of people coming through about uh, getting along, getting along with people. I suppose that's because I brought it up right at the beginning, right? So <laughs> I kind of egged that one on. Uh, here's another WhatsApp that says, the, na- the natural state of the world is war. Cain and Abel had half the world each, and yet Cain killed Abel. Wow. What do you think of that? I mean, it's It's insightful. It's insightful shows you that there's something about the nature of people that we can't just get along and that there's some element of uh, conflict and some element of uh, jealousy, I suppose, or insecurity. What exactly is it? So the natural state of the world is war. I think history would support that. There have always been wars in history. I think the corporate world would support that. There are always conflicts between corporate rivals. I think families would support that. There are what we call variables, or just simple sibling rivalry. Is that not a sad thought? And if that is the case, if you do agree that the natural state of the world is war, so now what? What should we do about it? It's very nice. We can talk about the fact that we should try to get along with each other better, but what really should we be doing about it? Maybe we could say that there's a two-pronged approach that we need to use in these five weeks building up to Rosh Hashanah. One is personal spiritual growth and the other is social connection with the next person. People in your own family, it's always a good place to start, often gets overlooked. you know. We forget about the fact that members of our own family need our attention and our care and our kindness and our love. So that might be the place to start. Maybe we need a dual system. I think that's a great idea. In fact, if you think about it, it's a three-way system, the way it's defined by Judaism. Teshuvah, tefillah, tzedakah. So teshuvah is all about personal growth. Personal growth means getting in touch with yourself, being honest about where your weaknesses are and areas that need improvement and having a sense of what was successful or unsuccessful in this past year. And then, of course, where you could go forward. That would be one area of preparation for Rosh Hashanah. The other would be tefillah, which is prayer. That's about your connection to God. And as I mentioned before, this concept of mindfulness, because I think we all, in our head somewhere, have an awareness. We know that God is good. We know that God looks after us. We know that God runs the world. But it's not necessarily part of our day-by-day reality. And that's part of what I was talking about before, about this mindfulness, this sense of connection. And because it's not part of our day-by-day reality, very often we have negative perspectives on God. We feel perhaps that He doesn't answer us when we pray, or He doesn't do things that we would have liked Him to have done. Or sometimes we maybe even feel that He's a little obstructive. To our lives, but a big part of that is where is he in our head? Where is he in our mind? On a, on a- daily basis. So that's a big thing that we should be focusing on for the next five weeks. You can't walk into Shul and O'Shoshana and uh, pick up a conversation. You know, like I, I know a fellow, you see him from time to time. It might be a few days, a few weeks, even sometimes a few months apart. And he will walk into the room and pick up a conversation where he left off the last time that you saw him uh, without necessarily giving any kind of an introduction, without necessarily even giving a, a greeting. Now, we can't exactly do that on O'Shoshana and Yom Kippur. I'm going to walk into Shul and say, okay, I'm gonna, I'd like to pick up from where I was last year. But no real meaningful interaction between then and now Doesn't actually work And sure, the purpose is not to wrap ourselves over the knuckles About how bad we've been The purpose is much more about to know where the weaknesses lie So that we can improve That's the focus So that we can improve So that we can get something really powerful and good and positive Out of the experience of Rosh Hashanah that's coming up So that's the second tier The second tier is Tefillah it's connection to God, mindfulness, feeling God not only in a prayer service, but like literally in your life. And I think when people pay a bit of attention to what's going on around them and things that just fall into place, what some will call coincidence and what we will call divine providence, that helps. I've often thought that if a person would keep a log of incidents that happen in their life that are just right, that were just, again, so to speak, coincidence, what we would call basheret, they are divine providence. It would do a tremendous service to you in terms of, uh, to the person who does it, in, in, just in terms of keeping a positive outlook and, and a sense of security that you you feel you're being taken care of and you feel that, that God actually has your back. And then the third element is tzedakah, which is, again, poorly translated as charity. But you get the idea. It's about reaching out. It's about realizing that you have a responsibility to the next person. When we say that we have to learn to get along with each other, one of the main reasons that that is so hard is because we're so caught up in who we are and our expectations and perspectives. And then all those other people just don't conform. They just don't seem to connect with my vision they don't seem to support my perspective so that's why I don't really get along with them because they're too far radically right or they're too far radically left or they have crazy ideas about the environment or they have this crazy way of living their life where I I think that they're irresponsible to their children or to themselves or to their health or whatever the particular case might be. The concept of tzedakah, which is again poorly translated as charity, is basically to say that there is a system of responsibility in this world. And I have a responsibility to the next person. I don't have a responsibility to step in and run their life for them, but I do have a responsibility to look out for their well-being. In fact, my responsibility to look out for the next person's well-being is a much more central concept in Judaism than the fact that that person has a right to be looked after. So there's a whole area of focus that we could use in these five weeks coming up to Rosh Hashanah, not just simply trying to get along with each other, because when we say that we want to get along with each other, very often we believe it's the other person's problem. If they would just dot, 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 right, fill in the blanks, if that person would just be more reasonable, if that person would just be more accepting, if that person would just see things my way, if that person would be more patient, if that person would be more observant, if that person would be more flexible, the list goes on. Then we'd be then we'd be able to get along. The only reason we can't get along is because of that person. Well, that's a non starter. We're not going to get anywhere with that. Whereas, if a person realizes that there's this concept called tzedakah, which is that I have a responsibility towards the next person, then it actually doesn't really matter if we don't see eye to eye. It doesn't even matter if we have totally different perspectives and ideologies and totally different emotional triggers. That's not the point. The point is I have a responsibility to that person. I have a responsibility to contribute meaningfully and positively to their life. That's why they're in my life. That's why they're in my circle. Whoa, if we could focus on that over the next five weeks, what a different place we'd be living in. And that means we'd be living in in our own heads. We'd be living in in our own families. And it might even just rub off on the rest of the world. Last chance, what do you think we should be doing for the next five weeks building up to Rosh Hashanah 34519 by SMS or 0621482374 by WhatsApp?
0: Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 high FM, 101.9 megahertz of power.
1: So, can we put together a process for the next five weeks that... We can do in five minutes. Is that possible? Here's another comment. Somebody saying how I can grow. We're talking about what should you be doing in the next five weeks building up to Rosh Hashanah. Somebody says how I can grow my compassionate side and use my time to ease the pain of people in need. What well, I do think that if nothing else, right? If we're not going to do anything else, which is spiritual and maybe a little bit abstract, there's no question that you can never lose by investing in helping other people. It's one of the great debates, you know, does a, does the fulfillment of a mitzvah require intention? So is it considered a mitzvah if you did not intend to do the mitzvah? Well, there's one area where there's no debate, helping somebody else, unless you have some ulterior Toxic intention Helping somebody else Even if your intentions are not Altogether spiritual and focused on God It's always a good thing to do So maybe that's the best place to start But I do think That what we need to know Building ourselves up For the time of the high holiday Starting from next week But you don't have to start from next week You can start now, right? Why wait until the last minute? should be about connecting, becoming more mindful, becoming more conscious of Hashem in our lives, becoming more conscious of other people and what they need and what they're looking for and how we can help them. And doing it all with an element of joy. I think it's it's such an important component. Like I said before, there's that parable of the king in the field, that that's supposed to be the parable to represent God during the period building up to Rosh Hashanah. But everybody forgets the part of the parable that says, and the king is joyous, because that's how we're supposed to be. It's a time of opportunity now. So if it is because we believe that the world is at a natural state of war, as somebody mentioned earlier, or if we believe, like Stephen said, that we just can't get along, or we believe that there's any kind of toxic issues, we have two choices. We could either become focused and fixated on the things that are wrong, and that could be quite depressing, Or we could become obsessed with the things that we could make right and that could be altogether uplifting. And I think that that's supposed to be the guiding thought and feeling of this time of the year as we go to Rosh Hashanah. is a feeling of empowerment, a feeling of optimism, a feeling of opportunity. But then to translate obviously that feeling into something which is real and practical and applicable. Three areas. Let's look at three areas. Connection to God. Connection to the next person. And personal development. So I hope that that's something we can do. And I hope something that can make a big difference to us. And I hope that we have a meaningful and connected and positive month of Elul. And that will definitely result in a meaningful and positive Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Which, please God, will result in the greatest blessings for us and for our families. So let's get up and at it. I want to wish you a good Shabbos coming. And a good Chodesh. And we are, even at this time of the year, allowed to start to say Shana may it be a good year whatever's left of this year should be good and next year should be even better thank you for all the insights and messages and have a wonderful week